Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week, going to guide you gently through the penultimate show of the year, listeners. Can't believe we're almost at the end of 2023, but we are. We'll do this show, one more, and then we've got a best of um, at the end of the year for you to listen on your holidays, and uh, which we're all looking forward to. But just got to close out the year, haven't we, Frank Washkick, my co-host, who's yes. with me as always. Just Happy to be here. Always think we're there, don't we? But there's uh, always a few more things just to uh, a few more a things to wrap up, right? There's always those stories that come out right in the quiet period that you have to look out for as well. <laughs> So we'll be looking for them. And we're going to talk about the PR Week Awards shortlist. That was out um, Wednesday morning. So everyone's excited about that. We'll chat about that. How how have uh, Harvard, MIT and Penn done in responding to these anti-Semitism charges? We will assess that. And we'll also look at Zara, brand that removed images from its marketing that people were saying looked a bit like Gaza imagery. Um, COP28 finally finished and they have come out with a statement. So is it genuine or not. We will discuss that. And 115 million Americans are going to be traveling over the holidays. Difficult to believe that's one in three, isn't it? And I'll be one of them. And uh, sad news, another sad departure in the comms world with the news of the death of Mark Wiener, who's uh, very well known in the research area of PR, who died at 68 this weekend. We'll chat about Mark's legacy. We've got the perfect guest to talk about holiday travel and all sorts of other things, travel and tourism related in Leslie Cafferty, who's the CCO of Booking Holdings. Um, Welcome to the show, Leslie. How are you doing? I am great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Yes, so Booking Holdings looks after Booking.com, of course, but also Kayak, Open Table, RentalCars.com, Priceline, Agoda. So a busy um, portfolio of brands, Leslie, and you've been there almost 11 years. How's 2023 been as a year? You know, we're, we're, we're post-COVID now. I know we're still living with it, but the, the travel industry is kind of caught up after it. How's 2023 been and what do you, what do you see in uh, emerging in 24? Yeah, I mean, 2023, it's been a a wild year. Um, I think, you know, for the travel industry, obviously, when COVID hit, I mean, that threw us, you know, into one of the craziest years, I would say, of my career. Um, But 2023 is definitely up there. I think from a, you know, consumer travel perspective, this is really where we saw travel fully come back in all regions of the world. So, you know, business is busy, which means we have a lot to do on the proactive side of things. Um, But then you have, you know, war, you have uh, all sorts of, you know, economic uncertainty, you have, we've had, you know, issues and crises as a company. We've been dealing with regulators this year on various topics. So it's just been a spectrum of a lot uh, going on. But I don't think that's, you know, that's not going to slow down when you're a big company and you're growing. No, and uh, you're in 200 countries. So you really do get a global flavor, don't you, of um, what's going on in the world, the geopolitical situation and the different uh, issues affecting people across the world. I know from a personal point of view, I traveled quite a lot in Europe this year and there were so many Americans in Europe. You know, I don't know if that's, uh, is that a big, big trend? And obviously the uh, the currency is good at the moment, but the flights are quite expensive. What it, Talk to us a, a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so that has been one of the biggest trends we've seen. A lot of Americans going to Europe this summer, for sure. Uh, flight prices are high, but that, you know, ties obviously to oil pricing. But it's also, you know, people we've seen, you know, with all the the macroeconomic uncertainty and inflation rates and high fuel prices, it's been fascinating because sort of the industry has been bracing for, is there going to be a slowdown in demand? And honestly, we have not seen that. People are still, you know, is it is it still post-COVID trauma and being stuck in your house for two years? But, you know, the appetite for travel is real. And, you know, we in the industry are constantly looking at, are we going to see a slowdown? But, you know, we're not seeing it so far. Now, one of the things you uh, really lent into this year was the Women's Soccer World Cup, which uh, was down in Australia and was a fantastic tournament, although the US didn't do as well as uh, maybe they, they wanted to. But it was a great tournament, wasn't it, for just uh, diversity, equality and great football, which is what, you know, really great goals and great play and great teams. And um, and it really caught, it seemed to catch the imagination of the world, didn't it? And, and even in Australia, which it's a sporting mad country, but by no means has it been uh, a big soccer nation. So talk to us a bit about that association and what you got out of that. Absolutely. Inclusivity, diversity, inclusivity is an incredibly important part of our company. Um, we have, you know, operations in more than 200 countries. We have something like 160 nationalities represented. So it is very fundamental to who we are as a business and an organization and making sure that that comes out in, you know, the work we do publicly or how our brand and company presents publicly. Um, and so it was a great opportunity um, to showcase, you know, to, to put support behind an incredible, you know, a group of women doing amazing things. And so it's just, it's part of our overarching, you know, looking at how do we, how do we present and how do we showcase to the world that we are here to support, you know, underrepresented communities on various fronts. Um, so it was a really fantastic uh, opportunity and um, really, really, it was, it was very, you know, that's how we want to present to the outside world. But it was also really incredible to see the impact internally within our company because our employees get so excited. Um, it just really, you know, boosts morale. Uh, so it was it was a really great partnership. It was kind of an astonishing end because whilst I was sad that England didn't win, Spain were such deserved winners, such a great team. But what happened afterwards was just amazing, wasn't it? And really proved why what you were saying there, the need for um, equality and upgrading their perspectives and the way men behave. And it was, it was kind of unbelievable. I don't know what your take was on it, on it all. Oh, it's, I mean, it was completely unbelievable. And I mean, I think the saddest part was that, you know, as you said, there was so much momentum. Um, never before was women's soccer really, you know, part of kind of mainstream culture and so talked about. And that was such an amazing milestone that the world is starting to pay attention to female athletes. And the saddest part about all of that was the fact that, you know, that was taken away because of the focus and all the attention on, you know, what happened after the fact. So that was that was a bit well, it was disappointing all on many, many levels, but that was yeah. the hard part. Yeah, for anyone who didn't see it, the, the representatives of the organizing body and the Spanish officials just behaved inappropriately on the podium, didn't react well afterwards, and it, it did, you're right, did take a bit of a luster away and, and really was astonishing. The only good thing was, I think, that the sporting world and the world got behind the team and really um, stood by them, didn't they? All of the, yeah. uh, including the male sporting yes. community. Yeah. So, so that was good. And it, it, I guess it did, did 
I don't know about the old no publicity is bad publicity, but it did keep the keep the, the subjects of women's soccer in the in the news. It was yeah. it was an example of your kind of leading with progressive values and bookings booking dot com. Um, but how do you do that? Because it seems like that's becoming more and more complicated in this world we're living in, and we've got a febrile lead up, you know, next year to big elections in the US and forty. 41 other places around the world and many of many of those places you will have operations in so how do you navigate that in that context where there's a there's pressure frankly for companies to just sort of ease back on the the purposeful mission side of what they do and certainly on on statements it's a big thing for employee engagement i'd love to get your perspective on that yeah absolutely it is it is very hard. There's pressure all around. And, you know, as a company, we have our values, but you have employees all over the world who have, you know, different opinions on things. There's expectations for what, you know, society and the outside world expects of companies. Um, and it's not easy. I mean, we, but we've said to ourselves, you know, this is not a made up value. We didn't put this on paper for the sake of saying, oh, we have values. This is truly how the company has evolved. And if you work here, you feel it. Um, and so when it comes to things like diversity and inclusion, you know, we will stand by that value. Um, the extent to which we, you know, and we talk about that internally all the time, the extent to which we present externally and talk about that externally, of course, you have to be careful. And it's a matter of, you know, I think companies or brands who want to shout their values because they they did put them on paper and they look great, you know, that there's there's an authenticity issue there. Um, you know, we don't shout and promote values for the sake of, you know, getting attention. But if and when we want to and need to, you know, there's a stance that, that this is what we stand for. We stand for inclusivity. Now, within that, you know, we also have to, you know, we stand for freedom of speech. Um, but it's it's a matter of, you know, also internally and what we say to our employees, it's, it's always respect for everyone everywhere. And and that's just, you know, and if people don't like that, we may in time face issues and backlash the way many companies have. But, you know, I think and I think our leadership agrees that we, you know, we, we simply stand by our values. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, what, what's your decision making process then when you decide what to make a comment on, whether that's internally or externally or what to take a view on? You know, what's the criteria to be authentic to what you know, booking holdings is all about? It's really hard. And, you know, there's definitely no recipe or formula that you can apply to it. But I think we we've come up with an approach where there's a sort of key set of questions that we ask ourselves to help us filter down to make those decisions. You know, one, is it is it relevant to us as a company? Like, do we have a right to speak about it? So obviously, if it has something to do with travel, that would be a clear connection. But if it's a topic that really is far from the core of our business and our operations, we just don't have a right to speak on it. Um, it's not our place. So that's one filter that we look at. Two, is it is the topic or issue affecting our employees or our partners in some capacity, in a meaningful capacity, um, to the point that we feel we have to address for, for the sake of our partners, our employees. That's another lens at which we look at it. And I think in general, it's it's more about if saying something can, you know, add value in some capacity, not talking, you know, just for the sake of talking. But we really try to speak on, you know, issues and topics that we feel relate to our business, our industry, our people, our partners. 
Another area where, uh, which was a massive story in 2023, was Dylan Mulvaney, the transgender influencer, and uh, Bud Light, and the, and certainly Bud Light didn't come out of that well on, on any level, really, in terms of their response um, and and internally. But you've worked with transgender influencers. Talk us through how you make sure that that is a credible part of your operations, but you don't get caught up in similar sort of uh, febrile discussions, if you like. Yeah, I think we have been for uh, for a long time. Um, and, y- you know, you never know what the future holds or how these things come about. I mean, absolutely Bud Light, you know, the mistake that they made was um, actually sort of, you know, taking two sides of things. You know, there was a, a, a constituent of their um, customers that, you know, didn't like the decision. And then it's, you know, the sort of reversal and going back. And that's where I think the big mistake came. Um, you know, if somebody questioned the fact that we work with trans- transgender influencers, you know, we would simply say, you know, that these are our values. We support, you know, all people, um, underrepresented communities, and and that's what we stand for. And so, you know, that doesn't mean anybody's going to like that answer, but I think that's how you have to think about it and approach it. And if as a company, you're not comfortable saying that, that's where, you know, I, th- I think you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah, you can end up alienating all sides. And yep. uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, purposeful business is good business. The LGBTQIA community is a massive segment of the economy and spends a lot of money on travel, on uh, on all sorts of other things, on on beer, you know, on on yeah. alcohol. So, you know, it's a perfectly legitimate and the right thing to do. So, it, it, it's uh, it's it's good to see that you're sticking with that. So, let's talk about twenty twenty four. You know, it's going to be a busy year for sure. What are the big sort of tent poles on your agenda, or the big uh, things that are going to be driving business to to booking holdings? Yeah. So I think, I mean, our huge focus for next year, it's, it's always on the technology. I mean, we have travel brands, but they're travel technology brands. And we are, you know, we're the, we're the app that powers, you know, ultimately the experience you actually have when you're traveling. And so technology investments will be huge for us next year. Obviously, you know, the buzz words, generative AI, but that's a huge focus for us. And how can we use these technologies to create better products, services, connection points for travelers through our technology better and faster than our competitors? So we'll, we'll be making some, some good investments next year on the tech front. And are there any sort of events? We had the Women's Soccer World Cup this year. Are there any events next year that are real sort of going to be focuses for your marketing and communications? Yes, we are, um, again, UEFA sponsors, um, so you will see us again. Um, We are, I think, still evaluating some of our sponsorship opportunities for next year, but we will, uh, MLB is another one, um, Super Bowl. uh, We will probably have some marketing activities around then. Uh, So, yeah, lots of big moments and, of course, you know, peak travel season and making sure that we are, you know, getting the right messages to our customers uh, at the right moments in time when they are when they are booking travel. If uh, things continue in the direction that they're going, I think um, earnings are looking good from companies. You know, people are liking the news coming out from the Fed. It might be the biggest summer travel season on record. Yeah. Will you be doing a Super Bowl ad? Uh, we're, we're looking at uh, if there will be a moment in time for us now. Uh, we did last year, um, so we are, we're, we're looking at our options. I'll, I'll keep you posted. You can't give us a PR Week podcast <laughs> exclusive. 
All right, tight lips on that one. <laughs> All right, Leslie. Well, thanks for uh, chatting. Good to find out what's going on. And um, yeah, wishing you all the best for next year. We'll get your input on some of the stories we're going to discuss yeah, now great. with Frank. Frank, the PR Week Awards shortlist. That's probably the most anticipated story that comes out, isn't it, in the whole year? Well, apart from the winners. So uh, that came out Wednesday morning. What, what were the things that jumped out at you? So it's another excellent list. And like you said, it's probably our best read article or piece of content that goes up all year. Everybody's really clamoring to see uh, who will have a shot at the PR Week Awards in March. And it's a great list. I had the opportunity to moderate two tables this year. And I can tell you, especially in the best in social media category, the judges were super impressed with all of the work from top to bottom. Uh, If there are five finalists for the award, there are probably several more that could have been finalists. It was really great uh, category, as they all were, and I think speaks really well uh, of the entrance across the categories this year. Um, A lot of agencies turned out really well this year. Very strong showing from Ogilvy, from MSL, from Finn Partners, uh, from a number of different firms. And so, yeah, looking to see who brings home this i guess they're not statues but they're trophies yeah, uh, come on the oscars of pr frank yes i know you don't like saying that well i'm, I'm <laughs> just trying to avoid the lawyers that try getting yeah and avoid getting sued it's inevitably a good, a good strategy but yeah it's a fantastic list the work this year is it gets better every it's year really terrific. it's not just a cliche which is good for the industry right yeah. and um good to see and you mentioned categories where there's a depth of bench, right, where you could have had 15 shortlists. So, um, really interesting thing, too. And, and I, uh, one of the categories I oversaw was best in influencer impact. And by the way, I will warn our listeners right now that doesn't mean I know who won. So, don't email me and ask. <laughs> but, uh, with like best in influencer impact, for instance, that's that's a category where you can really see the maturation of it over the past few years from, um, you know, influencers or creators being sort of a developing thing into a more mature category now. And you see how uh, there are some entries like the the Dove work um, that, the, you know, a, cat, a campaign that's been running for a long time uh, has started to embrace this as well. So um, a lot of really interesting work. And, and I can speak for the tables that I was at. Um, I, I think it was a really impressive group uh, of entrants. So. Yeah. Judged by an impressive uh, group of judges. Yeah, really terrific group. Really makes the credibility of the program. And yeah, you're right about the uh, building on well-established campaign for Real Beauty in, in Dove's case and taking it to another level. So yeah, we're really excited about the big day in March, March 14th at yeah. Cipriani. So uh, get that on the calendar and get your tickets booked. Leslie, uh, industry awards important to to you as, a, as head of a, a bunch of brands in the in the in the consumer space, it's interesting. We we have uh, some different thinking on it. We've never historically sort of focused a ton of time and effort and energy, sort of saying philosophically, you know, we have to stay focused on work for our customers. Um, but it's it's now increasingly important, and for a few reasons. One, for you know our own employees to feel proud if they're you know if our brands are recognized for the work that they do has tremendous value, and also from like a recruitment perspective, right? People want to work for companies that they see are doing great things. So I think we've definitely evolved our approach over the years and and completely see the value in, you know, being recognized by awards. And so, you know, try to do great work and sometimes make those lists. 
Yeah, it's well, well, point well made there, actually, on the talent side, definitely. I'm sure you've won PR Week Awards before. I, I remember proofing the uh, Book <laughs> of the Night with your uh, winning campaign. So, yeah. Let's talk about um, this whole situation with Harvard, MIT and Penn responding to allegations of anti-Semitism. Frank, walk us through this. You know, what happened and how did these three august institutions respond and, and how effective or, or, or not effective was it? It's a mess for all three. And a lot of this stems from the hearing on Capitol Hill last week, uh, in which all three presidents of, of the universities really spoke in too much legalese and, and didn't outright condemn threats against students, hate speech, um, you know, calls for genocide, things like that, things that should be really easy to condemn. You know, look, I, I think... There's a there's a working theory out there that maybe they got too much legal advice and not enough communications advice and really, you know, missed the forest through the trees and, um, you know, responded in a very legally safe way that that really missed the point. Um, now, the president of the University of Pennsylvania has stepped down. Uh, Harvard University said they are going to stay uh, with the president they have, and uh, MIT is going to do the same thing. But I, I think the damage has been done in a lot of ways, and you can see this with, with donors saying they're not going to donate large sums of money um, because they're so angry about it. But, it, you know, look, it shouldn't be hard to come out and say that that hate speech or threatening speech or threatening behavior uh, is not allowed and is against campus policy. So, um, you know, it's it's just not that difficult. So it's it, it's just in, in, incredible to see that they they just missed the mark by this much uh, on Capitol Hill. Yeah, it's a very sensitive topic and it's balancing free speech versus um, racism, anti-Semitism, and views that are unacceptable, and physical violence in some some uh, uh, occasions as well. So it's it's a very difficult thing to uh, just just navigate. Generally, yeah. it was interesting to see that Harvard, if, in the second phase, if you like, they maybe they failed first time. They gave an interview to the Harvard Crimson, which is the student newspaper, which was an interesting concept. Yeah, tactic. and it uh, it does getting. It, it does get across the concept of knowing who your audience is. And a large part of the audience here is the students, almost almost a somewhat forgotten audience in this case, between legislators and donors and, and various other groups. Um, but I actually think this is a pretty smart move to to do an interview with the student newspaper, uh, he, you know, which has also been very critical of the university's handling of the situation. So, um, you know, look, they're not going away. You have to talk to them and you have to – uh, keep up a working relationship with them. So I think it was a good idea. Yeah, so that old thing about the loudest voices have, um, you know, an increased um, impact on the debate, don't they? When the majority of people are on, are actually just on the on the sidelines. The same with social media, really. And then there was a, and it's not, it's a very different story, but the the retail chain Zara had to remove um, part of its marketing because people criticized it for looking like using imagery that that was related, you know, could have been seen as referencing Gaza. Yeah. Uh, well, you said it, that's basically it. And it makes you wonder uh, who at Zara did not call this out while it was in the production phase or even, you know, the media buying phase before they went on air and say, 
you know, it's it's probably not the best time to go to market with an ad that has a damaged building or a damaged room that, you know, while even if they had the best intentions, it was probably bad timing. Now, Zara's point of view is that they conceived uh, the campaign in July and photographed it in September. So before the terrorist attacks in Israel, uh, so that it couldn't be related to that. But uh, still, it was the right move for them to pull it, I think. Um, just sloppy handling by them on this. Yeah, I see the point about putting something together before something happens, but then sometimes you've got to pull things. Sure. You know? So, uh, Leslie, just from the general point of view, you mentioned in in the introduction that you, you know, like everyone, you have to deal with crises at certain points. And it's it's difficult getting it right, isn't it? But it's such a crucial part of the job and why you are so appreciated by your CEO and the C-suite in terms of helping them handle these things. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's so hard, you know, when you're in moments like this, I mean, to the point on Zara, you know, how, how do you let that happen? Right. So you have to have all the right checks and balances in place, all the right thinking in place on every business decision you make, but you no no business is going to get it right all the time. Right. So how you navigate in those moments, one, you try to mitigate, right. But then how you navigate when those moments happen, it just, it takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of um, care and the words you use and how a single word could be interpreted one way by somebody and another way by someone else. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's really important. But I think going back to some of all these examples that we're talking about, the notion of transparency is critical. And if you make a mistake, own it, right? Own it. Yeah. So make a mistake and say, okay, we did. And and don't speak through, you know, corporate speak or legal speak, uh, because that's not going to be that that doesn't people can sense that there's not genuine, you know, transparency in sort of admitting a mistake. Yeah, I mean, even going back to United Airlines, you know, that was what, what's your view on what Frank said about the legal input to the comms process? Because sometimes you might be advising something and the legal department saying, no, no, we can't go here. But if, in fact, it's it's probably better and it would have been better for United to have just, just done what you said and apologized and it becomes a three or four day story rather than a three or four month story. So do you, how do you balance that with legal departments? Is, is that why you have to have a good relationship with them? And, and can it be frustrating sometimes to... Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the, the legal team is one of our most important, you know, stakeholders internally. And sure, we have disagreements on things at times for very good reasons, because everybody's trying to do their job. But it's really, really important. And it's not just having a good relationship with the legal team. But I think it's, it's, you know, our job is not just, you know, yes, the communications for a company, but it's educating, you know, our leaders be on on topics, on issues or how to handle, you know. Um, so I think, you know, when instances come like this, you know, you've done the education process of this is the world we live in. And here are the examples for what's going to happen if we get it wrong. And if you keep that education, you know, constant um, and build that relationship and trust, then, you know, I think you can you can get to a, a good place. Yeah, good advice. And talking of words, Frank, the COP28 statement, that is one of the most eagerly, well, I don't know if it is actually, for those who are paying attention, it's it's very eagerly awaited, isn't, isn't it? And they sort of, for the first time, talked about moving away from fossil fuels. But was this a real statement that's going to be acted upon? It's historic, at least symbolically, uh, in that it's the first time that many countries have agreed um, to transition from fossil fuels to more uh, renewable energies and uh, achieve net zero by 2050. Critics would point out it does not require a phase out of fossil fuels and has a lot of loopholes in it, is another criticism of it. 
look, the agreement's nice. Uh, the proof will be in what countries actually do over the next few years. I mean, well, look, we had a situation in the U.S. where, uh, you know, we had a change in leadership and pulled out of the the Paris Climate Accords only to, to reenter it. You know, if countries don't live up to it, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah, and it was interesting that it was obviously held in a oil-rich country and was chaired by a member of one of those states. But, you know, kind of... It's a nice idea. You've got to say, give a little creds for coming, going that far, even if, you know, just like all these statements, it might not actually have the long-term impact that that people want. Yes. I I just think that actions are going to... Um, Trump the words. Yeah, it, it, because first of all, this of is a this is a thirty year commitment to yeah. to twenty fifty, and a lot can happen between now and then. Yeah, Leslie, travel is obviously you know there's lots of uh, discussions in the industry about environmentalism and you know flights and all the rest of it. Were you following COP twenty eight, and what's your sort of take on this? Yeah, I mean, time will tell, right? Um, what what actually happens, and I think it comes down to accountability and ownership across the board, right? Companies have to get involved, governments have to cooperate, um, and that's that simply has to be the case. I mean, it's impossible to predict where we'll be, but but ownership and accountability and responsibility has to sit, you know, outside of of just you know those discussions, and it has to sit within companies. And yeah, for us, um, we this is a big topic for us, and we think about it all the time. You know, we as a company have set our own targets. We have programs in place um, to help educate our partners on how they can be more sustainable. Um, so there's a lot, you know, that we're doing and trying to take on, you know, our uh, responsibility. And you know, hopefully, governments get even more involved and, and push to affect change faster. Yeah, and it's not a simple equation, right? Everybody wants cheap flights, but uh, everybody wants the planet. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people want the planet to be uh, more sustainable. So you you can't necessarily have both of those things. And uh, that's what just one of the sort of complicated parts of the the whole dynamic. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it was certainly interesting. And uh, Frank, there's a hundred. I don't. Are you traveling this uh, yes. holiday period? So shall be traveling. So am I. Um, what about you, producer Fitz? I am not. I'm staying local. Thank you. Do, you Lucky it's man. very wise because there's 115 million Americans set to travel over the holiday period, which is about one in three. So uh, I'm going to go throw this to Leslie actually because. That's good news for you, isn't it? (laughs) It is good news. It is good news. Uh, Yeah, we like when people travel. I mean, not just for the business, but, you know, in general, we believe travel, you know, makes the world a better place. So it's it's exciting to see Um, our CEO of Kayak yesterday, I believe it was at a meeting. He was asked um, for travel advice and he said, don't you dare check a bag during this travel season because (laughs) you can be destined for problems. (laughs) Yes, we all remember what last uh, holiday period, don't we? So that was uh, that was not fun. But wish everybody well with their travels and uh, and over the holiday period. Frank, a sad story to end on. Comms pioneer Mark Wiener passed away at the weekend, age sixty-eight. Very sad news, and, and uh, quite a few PR pros passed away this year. It's one of the sad sort of storylines of twenty twenty-three. It has been, yeah. Um, and it was tough to read about Mark. Mark Wiener, who um, really influential in the comms tech space before that really existed. It was really uh, a pioneer there, also in research. Um, and there were a lot of tributes to him from from people like Mark Staus, uh, from Proof Analytics, uh, and others, you know, talking about him on a more personal level uh, as well. Um, he, he He's 
Mark had been around and uh, he founded the broadcast specialist media link research, uh, which was, um, which was acquired. He worked at catch he worked at various agencies and, um, you know, really, really had a very influential career when it comes to research. Um, and, uh, was, um, was given an award by IPR in the recent years for, uh, the work he did in data and insights. So tough to read about that. A lot of, uh, tributes popping up from industry people on social media, uh, since Mark Wiener died. Yeah. The IPR Sunday. put a statement out actually, and with 40 people talking about Mark and he was clearly more than a business associate. He was a personal mentor to a lot of people. And you mentioned Mark Stoos there who, who did uh, post on uh, social about it. So yeah, uh, our thoughts with Mark's family and friends and colleagues. So uh, another sad piece of news to end with. But uh, Leslie, thank you so much for joining us and good luck with uh, all the uh, holiday period travel related stuff with booking holdings. And uh, thanks for coming on and, and sharing your expertise. It's great to chat to you. Yeah, great. It was great to chat with you guys. Thanks for having me. Don't forget the PR Week Awards. Like I said, shortlist is out, so get your tickets. 14th of March. The Healthcare Awards, you've got until the 18th to enter submissions into that. That's the early bird deadline. The Women of Distinction, that is a great program honoring uh, the most talented women in the profession. 19th of January is the standard deadline for people to submit uh, people into that one. And uh, the PR Week Global Awards, they'll be in London in May, but the f- the first deadline just passed this week. But there's a couple of other deadlines as well, including one in January. So check that out. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. 